Welcome back to the Foodie for Thought podcast, where everything's made up and the points don't matter. I am your gracious host of the evening, Kung Foodie, otherwise known in the streets as James Foodie. Also, I'll Venmo $5 if you can guess that reference, which if you're not a millennial or anybody else that doesn't know what I'm talking about, good luck. Anyway, welcome back. If you are new, if you have been here before, please take a lovely moment of your time to just hit the like and subscribe button down below. After all, we're trying to manipulate the algorithm to try to take over the world, and we can do it together. I'll even give you shares. I'll give you, I'll give you those options. You can take part in that if you'd like, unless you got commitment issues or something like that. Like you're just going to keep coming back here that you think you just don't need to subscribe. Just be a part of this, kind of like a three-month talking stage where you leave me on red, and then you come back three months later asking for a second chance. Idiot. Let's get on with this, shall we? We are starting off with a part three of a four-part series. So if you are back, we have a little recapping to do, and if this is your first time, we're starting off this podcast getting pretty deep. We're going to have a lot of fun together. In the future, but we're going to have a lot of fun together right now. We need to talk about some serious things. We've been talking about this idea of resilience and the dig for greatness. You can go back to the first episode. You can get the whole spiel on that, okay? On the idea of resilience, let's just recap this. It's not the idea of a strong external barrier that we can keep in protective armor, both spiritually, mentally, and physically. But the idea of resilience is that we have the ability to connect with ourselves. We become stronger externally and internally so that we are more capable of connecting with ourselves, our purpose, our gifts, where we feel called to, and that we can become excellent in those things and we can discipline ourselves to keep climbing higher. And if you just heard what I said, the three pillars that we've been talking about on the idea of resilience is passion, excellence and discipline in the last episode we just talked about passion and how i was just talking about purpose and your callings and the passions that you have in your life are callings on your life to be able to connect more with your gifts and things that you have to offer not only just the people around you but also yourself because by giving to others you're also giving back to yourself and vice versa you give to yourself first so that you can then share the love with the world and the idea of the dig for greatness. I'm going to say this until I'm blue in the face. Why would you chase anything outside of you that's already within? You have greatness potential and capabilities already within you. God installed these gifts in you before you even came down to earth. And you're going to go around chasing the things that are outside of you? Everything is found within. We have to dig inside for greatness. And that takes leading a passionate life. Being able to express our gifts, leading a life of excellence that we become, as Jocko Willink would like to call it, an eminently qualified human being, which I love that comparison, and discipline. Because without discipline and without the ability to carry forward and press on going forward, even if we can't do it, we don't want to do the things we have to do, that's what's going to be enabling us to carry on leading a better life. Things being able to express our gifts. Discipline is what gives us the freedom to be able to carry forward and live a life that's worth meaning. But today, we're going over that second pillar, like I said. We are going over the idea of excellence. 
And the title of this ser- the title of this episode we are going to call in this four-part series, Excellence is a Practice. We're going to break this up into two main parts of this, of this episode. We are going to talk about the approach, thoughts on excellence. Then we are going to go over the protocols. We are going to go over the pillars of what it takes to live an excellent life. Excellence doesn't need to just apply to your job. It doesn't need just to apply to your family or your hobbies or your passions or that championship that you're trying to win. I'm talking about something deeper than that. I am talking about becoming an excellent human being, a modern Renaissance man, a modern Renaissance woman, whatever that you are and whoever that you are, we are connecting with deeper parts of ourselves and all the aspects of our lives. Because last episode, we talked about we're going to be called to many things in our lives All of those callings that have been placed on our lives, at our job, our family, if you're a spouse, you could be a son or a daughter, you could have a son or a daughter, you can have passions, you can have hobbies, all of these different things that call you to spend your precious time with. We're going to encompass it all and how to become an amazing human being and excellent in every area that we are capable of and that that has been presented in our life. And that's exactly what we are going to talk about today. So if you are joining us right now, or if you are going to join us in the future, grab your coffee, grab your tea, your energy drink, because you're going to need it. We might laugh together. We might cry. And we might even ugly cry. But it doesn't matter because we're doing this together. I'd like to officially welcome you to the third episode. Let's get into this, shall we? I want you to take a notice of the title of this episode. Excellence is a practice. Really notice what I just said. Excellence is a practice. I would argue that the opposite of excellence, aside from being really bad, okay, and mediocre, one of the other opposites of excellence is perfection. Notice that you have to, when we talk about being perfect, the idea of perfection or practicing perfectionism, if you're a perfectionist in your craft or your hobby or your job or whatever it is in your life, notice that you have to be perfect, but you have to practice excellence. Excellence requires us to be able to look at a lot of different parts of our lives Like I had stated before, your hobbies, how you are, your role in your family, your friends, your passions, your job, things that call you. All your callings require a certain amount of energy and time to be able to devote to. But trying to be perfect at something is just a constant game of catch up. It's something that you have to be. It places this really high expectation on our lives. And it's impossible to be perfect, as we know. We, as a society, really just need to get over this. Do you even want to be perfect at everything? Do you even want to be perfect at that job? Do you want to try to look perfect for your spouse or the people that you're trying to get validated from love from? There's a difference between performing for love and there's a difference between trying to be validated for love. Love in whatever sense, romantically, or sharing love and sharing energy back and forth, love does require you to perform. 
Because love has two things. It has boundaries. It's true. And it has standards. Because if you are not providing care for me, if you're my partner, if you're not providing care for me, if you are not growing, if you are constantly, if you are constantly trying to belittle my boundaries that I have, I have no choice but to let you go. So when I say perform for love, you are acting in love to be able to receive and give back and forth. It's not like you have to meet these requirements sort of thing in order for me to love you and you have to perform for me like you're a dance monkey. Dance monkey dance. It's not that sort of thing. Very different from being validated. Looking to be perfect in something is a very big thing where you're looking for validation. I'm trying to act perfect. I'm trying to be presented as a perfect human being so that I can be validated. You can insert narcissists into this idea. It can, be, it can look like very controlling people. It can look like overcompensating in a job. It can look like frustration within a relationship or a friendship. Trying to be perfect in something and, or even in your passions and your hobbies. It can look like belittlement to yourself. Because if I don't perform up to this perfect height, then I am going to feel ashamed that I can't reach that. That I constantly can't be there. Attempting to be perfect is just a mask for insecurity. That's all it is. It's one thing to be self-critical. And then it's another thing to be self-judgmental. I am very convinced that self-judgment is the one thing, the highest form of holding ourselves back in our lives. Because if, and that also comes from our environment, by the way, this could be self-imposed, but it could also be learned from our environments. Someone who's a very manipulative person in your life, it could be a family member, it could be a boss, it could be a narcissist that you know. People who are very good at the verbal combating game, people are very good at the manipulating game. If, and notice, if you know anybody who's a narcissist or someone who's really manipulative, the most narcissistic and manipulative people don't do it in a very chaotic and very demeaning way, although they could. But someone who's really good at that game does it really casually. Now, the idea of somebody who's more narcissistic can be manipulative. One thing that they're really good at is being able to say, I can shame you if I guilt and shame you enough and judge you enough, you'll be able to do it to yourself. I won't have to do it for you. Sure, I can stick around and continue to control this element of your life. But if I teach you to do that on your own when I'm not around, to them, that's like outsourcing. And that's really bad. So it can come from our environment. It doesn't just have to be self-imposed. I do believe that there is an element within us, just as, as creatures of habit, as natural human beings who are imperfect, that we can be very just self-judgmental by nature, that we can shame ourselves by nature. And that can, that can hold us back the most. That is the difference between loving and hating yourself. I had this conversation with somebody earlier this year, and I found it, I, it was an epiphany I had had, and this person found it fascinating. I'm, I want to share this. I'm going to pause where, in my notes. I'm going to share with this. Love and hate actually have more in common than you think they do. The only difference between the two is that they have two different things. One, different tactics 
in two different outcomes. Let me share with you. I am going to look at my notes. I wasn't going to go off of like on a huge tangent, but here we are. That's just what we do. Both love and hate. Both love and hate are slow building and they play in for the long run. They're not just about fast dollars. They're about slow building dimes. Progressing over time. Starting out trying to, to earn your trust so that you can be vulnerable enough to let your guard down. To be able to receive someone's full love, you have to let your guard down. And in order to, in order to receive that, hate can also play that game. Once your guard is down and I've built that trust with you, now I can start to just slowly insert some mean comments, some insults, backhanded compliments, things that make me feel ashamed of you, so therefore you will start shaming yourself. Both are very intentional. Someone who loves you, really loves you, it's done on purpose. And someone who really hates you, I'm not just talking about haters, someone who really hates you does it on purpose, with intention. And they both come from, I don't know what point this is, maybe four or five, they both come from person of love and a person of hate, how they inwardly see themselves. That could be from how they grew up or on their own self journey or a combination of everything. But someone who really loves you is doing it from a place where that they really love themselves. And someone who equally tries to manipulate you and put hate on you is also projecting of how they see themselves, whether how they grew up or just something that has happened over time. That has led them to this conclusion that I need to put what I need, what my hate onto someone else. Much like someone who really loves themselves, I need to put my love and share that with someone else. They both have no bounds. Hate is just an, a never-ending mountain to climb. So is love. Love is a never-ending mountain to climb. The more you love yourself, the more you realize there's no limits. And vice versa, evil also has no limits. Whether you want to call it love and hate or good and evil, they have so much in common with each other. They both have no bounds. They're slow building and they're built for the long run. They're both intentional and done with purpose. They both want to earn your trust to be vulnerable so that you can let your guard down. And they are both rooted and how they see themselves inside and internally. And the only difference, the only third dif the only third difference between the two, difference, excuse me. The only difference between the two also, aside from their tactics and aside from their aside from their different outcomes that they'll produce, hate is disguised and love hides nothing. Hate can be disguised in shaming and guilt tripping you. Or just a very direct sort of way of putting hate on somebody else. Love is also, like I just said, so purposeful. So intentional. But it doesn't hide anything. Love has nothing to hide. And the different outcomes, just so that we're all on the same page of good and evil, love and hate. The different outcomes are still the same. If I spend enough time around you, you will end up doing this to yourself. If I love you and spend enough time around you, you will learn to love yourself. 
And if I put and project my hatred onto you, then you will also start to learn how to do that to yourself. They have a lot in common. And bringing it back, perfection being just a mask for insecurity, that self-judgment can be so inhibiting and in allowing you to live a meaningful, purposeful life that you don't hold yourself back from the things that you love. Sharing love with the people that you care about. Or going out and trying new projects and new ventures in life, much like this right now. I've been a fitness coach and martial arts coach for the last six years. I want to share some other gifts that I feel as though I have. I want to share other ways of being able to spend quality time with people. Self-judgment is what's hold us back the most in life. I did it for years and look, I am standing right in front of you. I don't care if this goes super viral. I don't care how far this goes. But even if the community of people becomes small enough to where we know we have a really tight-knit people, awesome. I am just in a purpose of sharing my gifts. So it doesn't matter to me how far this goes. If it does, amazing, because that's more people to help. More people to share my gifts with. For me personally and for to be able to help people using my gifts. Maybe even make a bigger community out of more like-minded, open-minded people. Wouldn't you like to be a part of something like that? Well, here we are. We're kind of, we're trying to do something there. <laughs> but the thing about that is when you're trying to be so perfect and it becomes a mask of insecurity, going back to what I had said, that excellence is a practice. It really means that we've all heard that, that phrase practice makes perfect. Although that kind of goes against what we're saying right now because practice makes excellence. I want to I wanna share something with you because I had a coach that used to say perfect practice makes perfect. And he actually had a really good point. If I practice something so perfectly over and over and over again, well, then I am, I am destined to do well with that. However, there's really no such thing as perfect. We know this. It doesn't matter if you're in a sport, if you're in a job. It doesn't matter what your role is in life. There's no such thing as perfect, but there is such a thing as climbing higher and improvement, but it has to be in, intentional. Excuse me. Practice has to be intentional for in order to do well. Showing up just is not enough. You can't just keep showing up expecting to do well. Consistency is key, but there has to be a purpose with what you are practicing. I'm pitching the following intentional practice makes improvement. Say it with me. Intentional practice makes improvement. You can always better your best. The most highly qualified people in the world understand this. That there is, there is no end. There is always a higher mountain to climb. And because like I said, going back to, we're going to have many callings on our life. You don't have to just climb one mountain. If you got out of what you needed in one area of your life, then that's great. You can go on to another. I have a friend. She's one of my jujitsu training partners. We were talking a couple of months ago, for example. She talked about, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a hairdresser, but I also want to experiment in massage therapy, and I'm thinking about teaching yoga. Amazing. I love that. Take me, for example. 
I've been in the martial arts my entire life. I've also really been involved in fitness. I am looking into becoming more in depth with my podcasting. I also sell stuff on eBay. Like I sell, aside from random things, I sell Pokemon cards on eBay. I, I, I like golfing. I've picked up golf in the last two years. All of these different things. I've gotten a lot of rocks off with the martial arts, but I'm also starting some new projects in the martial arts. Other mountains to climb. I've competed. I've trained. I've done demonstrations. I've done marketing for it. I've done so many different things, but now I want to get into acting and stunt work as a part of being able to express my gifts and these ideas that I want to share, right? You, they can always build off each other, but it is perfectly fine to jump from one mountain to another. That is how we get the most out of life. You don't have to stay with one thing forever. Everything, no matter where you go, is going to speak to you in some dimension or another. You can always better your best. And let me say, let me say this, because I want to go back to talking about practicing excellence in terms of the idea of perfection is just a mask for insecurity. Practicing excellence completely combats the worst three things that perfectionism brings, which is guilt tripping, shaming, and comparison. Those are the worst three enemies, and that can make you an enemy of yourself. How they say you're your own worst enemy? You can build that over time. Only you are responsible for your life at the end of the day. And this is something that I really believe because I really believe that human error is one of the most beautiful things that life has to offer. Trying to be perfect just makes you a robot. It's just a constant game of catching up. I don't really think everything in life needs to be measured. We need to have measurable things to achieve goals and climb higher. Yes, absolutely. Categories and lists of life that we are going to that that we need to become better at. But sometimes human error is the en entire essence of beauty in life itself. Art, music, food, moments with loved ones. When I say food, I mean creating food, right? All of these things, take me for example, one of my favorite hobbies that I used to do a lot of was pencil drawing. And the funny part about is, the funny part about that is, I always used to just give my drawings away because I was so involved with what I do and I loved it so much. It was such a, an extreme opposite of what I was used to in terms of working out all the time and fighting people. Drawing became one of those things that I actually really liked doing and I found out that I had some gifts with it. I even brought an example just so that I could show you, okay? I, it's a gorilla and a jujitsu gi. <laughs> this, this was an idea from uh, Tatami Fightwear, their jujitsu company. But I can't tell you how many times I tried drawing this one picture itself. I used to be such a perfectionist when it came to drawing. The bags and bags of just ripped up pieces of paper and I would get so far on one drawing that I would just completely toss it. I I had drew for one of my for one of my ex-girlfriends, I had drew a flower for her. And it took me four full weeks to be able to make this one flower. And I only finished it within like the last four days of it because the rest of the three and a half weeks I just tossed it all away. And I was just so hard on myself. And it got me good. Perfectionists tend to do pretty well in what they do in their life. 
take Gordon Ryan in the jiu-jitsu world. Gordon Ryan's the top number one pound-for-pound grappler on earth right now for, for no-gi submission wrestling. He's such a perfectionist of what he does. That has gotten him very far in his career. Michael Jordan, on being a part of the Chicago Bulls and that absolute unit of a dream team up until from like 92 to 98. He was a perfectionist, but being a perfectionist comes with sacrifice. Not everybody can be that once-in-a-lifetime athlete like Gordon Ryan or Michael Jordan. Being a perfectionist, although it could take you very far, it has its limitations. Shaming, guilt-tripping yourself, self-judgment in that regards, in comparison to other people, is what's going to hold you back the most. And I kept guilt-tripping myself and, and judging all of my arts. And this isn't perfect. My final, my final product wasn't perfect. You could see the letters aren't fully flat. You could see it could have been colored in better. You could see the smudge marks on the paper. Although I probably should have like made it in a plastic sleeve, but that's aside the point. The point is, for something that I'm just trying to enjoy, martial arts that I'm trying to enjoy, although I had such high lofty goals when I was in my really high levels of training and still in the future, regardless, topic for another day, that can hold you back the most. And comparing yourself to other people actually is healthy. I'm not saying to not compare yourself. It's good to know what your competition is. And it's good to see how you stack up against other people who are very good at their craft. Competition is a very healthy thing. But where you overly compare, you overly shame yourself. Shaming yourself is just bad. Let's just get that out of the eye. Let's just get that out of there and out of our repertoire and things that we try to uh, not do to ourselves, right? Self-judgment. But we can replace things like judgment with being critical. We can replace overly comparison, overly comparing ourselves to others, to just comparing ourselves. We can do it at a much softer point. But like anything in life, a lot of our, our minds, our emotional state, our ego likes to bring us in terms of extremes. And I want to make this last and final point before we get into the little more of the nitty-gritty from the approach to the pillars of excellence. Embracing the flaws, embracing the aspects of you, and recovering quickly from a loss is what is going to allow you to climb higher on the mountain and not be stuck with where you are in the idea of perfection. Jocko Willink, if you don't know who he is, you got to look him up. Jocko Willink would say to his team members, and whether in the military and in other, other areas where he would have teams of members, he would say, good. And I've taken that to heart in my life ever since I followed him back from 2017. If you have something bad going in your life, say, good. I didn't get that job. I experienced that 11 times before I hit my 12th yes, like I talked about in the last podcast episode. Well, good. That allowed me to become better. It allowed me to focus on increasing my skills now where I am so that I can bring it further into the future where I hear my next yes. Oh, well, I didn't get, I didn't get the girlfriend or the boyfriend that I'd wanted. Well, good, because I have other things to focus on in my life. I have a career to build. I have other people to spend time with. I have aspects of myself that I could spend time developing. I got an injury in jiu-jitsu. My knee just got torqued. Well, good, because I was starting to overtrain and I was starting to become just lost in what I was doing. I needed to reassess my goals. 
and I needed to start working on some other areas of jiu-jitsu or kickboxing and martial arts that I've needed to develop. So now I can take the time to work on my mental game. I swear to God, it's a superpower. And that's not to say to be overly positive, because that is also a thing too. Being overly positive just blocks you out from the actual problems in your life, I think, where people say toxic positivity. Segue real quick. I, maybe this is just me. We don't need to put toxic in front of inherently good words. Like toxic masculinity, toxic positivity, toxic love. I've seen that a couple of times. Love is a beautiful thing itself. Pure love. Don't get don't mistake an infatuation for love. Infatuation is toxic. Pure love, when you get to experience that, there's nothing toxic about it. We need to stop putting toxic in front of the in front of these words. Positivity. Yes, there is such a thing as overly positive, but being toxic positivity is just this is being just disregarding. It's abandoning how you emotionally process different things that have happened to you or other aspects of your life that are really challenging. If you just lost your job, oh, well, good, because, like, no. Experience that. That's really prevalent in guys. Men have a much harder time than women, and we. this is just a fact. Men have a hard time processing their emotion in comparison to women. It's just true. But that's not toxic positivity, as men, and I've been, uh, I've been, you know, susceptible to this myself of just like brushing it off. Uh, big deal. Uh, expected that to happen. It is what it is. That's a famous line. A lot of guys you probably heard say is what it is. Take the time to process your emotions and because in practicing excellence requires you to process and embrace the flaws and the things that we find difficult. That is a part of excellence because it allows us to recover quickly to recover quicker so that we can go and climb higher mountains that we can continue going forward. It's okay to stay where you are if you need to recover. But after I take my time to recover, I'm going to continue to climb. It's okay to slow down to recover where you need to. Life does not have to happen at a hundred percent all the time. I've had to learn that a lot. Your life isn't meant to be lived at a hundred percent all the time. For the majority of people I am talking about this with. The 99.9, not whatever, percent of people. I'm not even saying to slow down. What I am saying is to become more present. Become more present so that you can connect with the things that are in front of you and acknowledge all parts of you that require your attention and require your time and your values and your gifts so that you can become a modern-day Renaissance man, a modern-day Renaissance woman, and become an excellent human being at what it is that you do and wherever that you go. You walk with excellence. If you've noticed anything of what I've been talking about, if you came from the other episodes to now, notice something. You have to chase perfection, but you have to dig for excellence. What have we lost? What have we learned? What have we learned? We don't chase anything that is outside of ourselves when we have everything that is within. Digging inside to bring out my capability and potential is what excellence requires of me because it's going to require me to keep on digging. 
the gold mine is going to get further and further and further down. There's more gold to be dug up. Once you read a state of perfection, which is impossible, you've just settled. There's no more to life. The idea of excellence is what brings us further and what allows us to keep seeking because it takes discipline to seek in areas where you have yet to become excellent in. And this is a solid segue right into the meat and potatoes of how we can define becoming an excellent, as Jocko Willink would like to call it, an eminently qualified human being. In one of my certifications, they talked about the idea of deep health, which their idea of deep health requires us to become an excellent and allows us, I'm sorry, to become an excellent human being in what we do. I've taken some of these ideas because they each of those, the deep health and Jocko's podcast and book. By the way, I have that. I'm going to link that in the bio if you actually want to read that for yourself. It's called The Code, The Evaluation, and The Protocols. Phenomenal book, short read, less than 100 pages, but just an awesome way of being able to look at the different elements of your life to be able to say, I can become better here. Oh, this needs me over here. I can be better here. I can seek improvement over here. It allows me to do that. But what I've done and what we are going to talk about right now, because we got our thoughts out, we got our approach down pat. Now we are going to talk about the pillars in what I call in the idea of becoming resilient. These are the six pillars of excellence in becoming resilient. This is a little more interactive sort of thing, actually. So feel free to follow along because what we're going to do is we're going to go over six different areas and I have four different categories in each of these areas. So 24 areas total, but how we can break this up in the different pillars, it's going to make a lot of sense. And I want, feel free, like I said, write this down. I can make this, I can make this like a downloadable worksheet if you want to, if we want to have that, that would be a lot of fun. Actually, I might do that. Comment below if you want that, if you're listening right now, comment that you want a worksheet that you can allow to track and just measure some of these aspects of yourself. Comment, please. Each of these, I want you to score it from zero to five and, and be honest with yourself also use this as an opportunity to be able to say, oh, I haven't explored that area of life yet. I should go down that direction. I've taken these from this book, but I've also taken them from other ideas and other areas of my life personally. So this is not an exact replica of, his, of, of Jocko's uh, book. This is just what I've taken from it. Let's talk about them, shall we? The six pillars of excellence in becoming resilient are as follows. Health, personal, spiritual, relational, environmental, and professional. The first pillar, and I'm going to read off my notes. The first pillar is our health. We can categorize these into four different areas. Our physical health, including physical activity, nutrition, and sleep. The second one is our mental health and our mental sharpness. The third one is our emotional intelligence. And the fourth category of the first pillar of health is preparedness and safety. Let me go through each of these, just give you a couple of little different parts. When I've been coaching, I have found that the top three 
in order to achieve your goals and, and the sense of wellness, phys- your level of physical activity, nutrition, and I would put sleep at the top because anybody who's slept so crappy knows that you don't want to carry on the rest of your day. You just want to go to sleep. Sleep, nutrition, physical activity is a giant part in how we see it's the triangle of how we see our wellness. How are we able to function? How vibrant, how, how energized do we feel? If anywhere, start there. I promise you that will take care of the majority of your issues for the most people. Mental health and mental sharpness. Men and women. Whatever, whatever pronouns that you prefer. It doesn't matter. We are all equally susceptible to either a strong sense or a weaker sense of mental health. We are all susceptible. We are all humane. We're all human, I'm sorry. How alert do we feel? How competent do we feel? How focused are we? And how thoughtful are we? Not just for ourselves, but for others. Emotional intelligence. How self-aware am I? What is my ability to be able to control myself so that I'm not always just acting out of an emotional state, but I can bring logic with me while also acknowledging and processing what my emotions are telling me? And preparedness and safety. Now, I put this under health because in order to feel healthy and experience things at a larger scale and a better scale, I have to feel safe. That doesn't just mean internally, but that means externally too in the physical realm. What's my environment? Preparedness, meaning martial arts. Am I physically fit? Am I able to protect my loved ones? What about my home safety? Do I have safety protocols in my home? Do I have... Do I have video cameras around so that I can watch what's happening? Is there a neighborhood watch? Is there neighborhood safety? Are you friendly with your neighbors so that you can be able to help each other out? It's a very big thing. These are the four categories of health. Physical activity, mental health, emotional intelligence, and preparedness and safety. The second pillar And go back and score those. Feel free to pause that so you can score yourself just writing that down or that worksheet that I'm going to put up. I'm going to put that up at a later date, not today where the podcast is. I'm going to take some time to put that up. The second pillar is personal. This regards to the four different categories of intellectual fitness, time management, financial management, personal goals. On intellectual fitness, I don't need to explain why it's useful (laughs) to be able to be a smart and intelligent human being. I think we all know that by now. But what I'm expressing here is that there is a constant search for knowledge to be better. And that I also need to acknowledge that I want to be expressive in my creativity. Knowledge and creativity, right and left side of the brain, both matter wherever I go, whether in my job whether with my family, with my friends and my hobbies, both need to be present in order for me to be get the most out of this life and what I have in front of me. Time management. I learned from my job being a fitness coach, working very odd hours of the day and every day being a new day and also having some health concerns of my own while becoming a fitness coach 
Time is the most valuable resource that we have. And we need to spend it very wisely with the people that we know who are good for us. People that we know who are going to give back and that will receive of what we also want to give. Financial management. It wasn't until about two and a half years ago I really learned more about how to be more responsible with my finances. Cash is oxygen for life. You need it. You need money in order to be able to feel stable. Money does bring happiness because money brings stability. And being able to be stable is what allows you to feel more happy. I think that's a pretty simple idea. But cash is oxygen. It's about what you spend on, what you invest on, and what you saved. Before quarantine, a month before quarantine, I was a director and head coach of a gym. And I was trying to be the guy, be like, hey, who wants coffee? I would, on my, on my afternoon break, I would go out and do a coffee run. I would get myself some coffee and any, a couple of close people, maybe three or four coffees total. My bill at the end of that month of going back and looking at my bank statement without knowing quarantine was going to even happen, I saw that I had spent over $250 on coffee in the month. And that didn't even, that didn't even talk about the other months that I was doing that. That was an enormous wake up call to me. It was almost a 180 overnight that I decided that I am going to learn about money. I'm going to learn that I'm going to start saving right now. Right now. I'm going to watch what I spend. I'm going to budget myself. I'm going to watch what I spend on. I'm going to start investing. And I'm going to start seeing how this can make me more money. And I've, knock on wood, I've gotten a lot farther than where I used to be. <laughs> Thank God. The fourth category of personal is personal goals. What is important for you to get better at? It could be anything. It could be a hobby. It could be your job. It could be spending time with your family. What do you want to get better at? You can measure it. You don't need to make an elaborate master plan. You don't need to have all your ducks in a row. Not everything needs to be perfect because, again, if you're trying to make everything perfect, look how that's trying to bring out insecurities. What? We got to watch ourselves. We have to be self-aware. Okay, guys? And you have to make them hard to achieve. We can start by little goals over time. And we can I, I hit this landmark because getting constant wins is a really good thing. But when you make something harder to achieve, it makes it more valuable. Do you want to lose 20 pounds? Do you want to lose more? Do you want to be able to deadlift 100 more pounds? Do you want to be able to save up 10 grand? Do you want to be able to run a marathon? It doesn't have to be so extreme, but make them hard to achieve from where you currently are right now. The third pillar out of the six that I consider to become excellent in what we do is spiritual. And this is one of the more important parts of my life in particular. Four categories of this are feeling connected to God, feeling connected with purpose, feeling connected with my callings, sound familiar, and feeling grounded in my identity. The one who gave me life, I need to make sure that I block out time to spend with him in the day. My favorite time of the day is at night. If you want to feel more purpose in life and feel more of a meaning and deeper connection, 
Start with praying just one time a day, and it could be your favorite time of the day or the time that you feel the most calm and clear-headed. Mine happens to be at night, and I talk to him throughout the day. But my favorite time that I can quiet down, I'm in my room by myself, that I can spend time with him so that I can know his voice and how he wants to talk to me about where he wants to call me, how to use my gifts and spend time by developing to becoming a better human being. Connected with purpose and my callings. Those two categories we talked about in the last podcast. So go check out episode number two where we talk about gifts, helping others, giving back to ourselves, feeling stuck where you are and feeling connected with where you feel called to be or where to search and seek and listen to the next calling on your life. And then grounded in my identity. Am I connected with my authenticity? Am I connected with who I actually want to be? Do I have a deeper sense of meaning in my life that I can express everything else that I just described in this pillar? That is where spiritual leads to. The fourth pillar out of the six is relational. This means quality time with your family. This means quality times with your friends and coworkers. A sense of belonging and authenticity kind of go hand in hand with our identity, right? And our support system, specifically the top five people that we spend the most time around. Connected with your family, with your quality time with your family, I mean. Your immediate family, your spouse, your parents, your children, your relatives, whoever that you are most to build stability. They are your first part of your tribe. They're the people that you've probably spent the most time with up to a certain point in your life. Maybe that you are now currently building if you are starting a family or if you've been inside of a family. Spend better quality time with them because again, time is our most precious resource that we have. Quality times of friends and fa friends and coworkers, I'm sorry, because the need for extended family and your tribe of like-minded, open-minded people is very real. We can't just get all those needs from our family. We have to extend the branches to be able to connect with more people. Bonding is such a vital part of our life and our purpose here. A sense of belonging and authenticity. Can you receive and give freely with who you are around? Equally and fairly, might I add, to who's in your life around you. Can you be authentic with the people around you? Your most authentic self. Be yourself fully and completely that you can grow with the people around you and your support system. You are the product of the top five people that you spend the most time with. You have to be careful with who you spend time with. Do you feel lazy? Look at your health first, but then look at the people around you. Or look at both simultaneously. Do you feel great? Probably has to do with how you're giving back to yourself and your health and your hobbies, your passions, or the people around you. Look at your environment. Which happens to be the fifth pillar. And the four parts of the fifth pillar of the environment are access to resources. Your everyday surroundings. Engagement with community. And going back to, like we said in the first pillar, security and safety. Access to resources. I mean food. Money. Opportunities in education or work. Equipment. Like if you are a martial artist, 
and you need certain equipment, if you have fitness goals and you would like certain equipment, if you are a hairdresser and you need certain equipment, how many different academies are there or schools or places of business that you can go and express your gifts at? Everyday surroundings. Now, I mean this in a couple different ways. Do you have a messy room or a messy house, messy living space? Do you have a kitchen filled with unhealthy food? You're a product of your environment. How your environment is set up is a very direct correlation and manifestation of how we see ourselves internally. Messy room? Might feel a little messy in here. Do you have an unhealthy selection of food within your kitchen? That might have to be with your relationship with food. Yet, they both have to do with how that you become better as a human being. What you are surrounded by is what's going to have the most impact on you. And it starts really simple. Start by your living room space, your living space, wherever you are. There's an amazing speech. Uh, Navy SEALs want to say his name correctly. William McRaven. Navy SEAL William McRaven. Look up the speech, Making Your Bed. It's about a half an hour long, a phenomenal speech. But it all starts with and becoming an excellent human being at what you do and achieving the things you want in your life. Start small in your living space. See, my bed's made. <laughs> Engagement with your community. How do you help the people around you? What is the culture like of the people around you? Where you spend the most time if you go to the gym, if you're at a jiu-jitsu academy, at your job, around the friends that you hang out with, the family that you hang out with. How do you give your time and your energy to making the place around you better? And then security and safety. This has to do with your physical, emotional, and, and mental safety. A big thing that I learned in the physical education major is setting up the space for kids to not only just feel expressive and creative, to have structure as well, but to also feel safe. I'm not going to put a child who's a lot more, uh, less durable, I should say, than we are as adults, physically I mean. I'm not going to put them around an environment or on an apparatus that is going to allow them to hurt themselves. I'm not going to have tripping hazards for them. If I'm training people in person for fitness and they have different stations, I'm not going to have these stations so close together so that you don't feel safe. I'm going to have this station over here and I'm going to have this station over here so you don't accidentally trip or jump onto or, God forbid, hit your head. You go as simple as that. Setting up your environment to be productive, to feel that you can ex be expressive and creative because a clean environment can bring expressive creativity. At the same time, I've actually met a lot of messy people who actually, <laughs> that is also a sign of that they are very intelligent and creative people. It helps them to, but that just comes down to a self-awareness thing. But I recommend keeping a pretty, a decent living space. It's a fair point to make. And then the last area, the last pillar, professional. And the four categories of professional are character and leadership, performance, advancement, and mentorship. Now, this one, I, I, I am very inspired by Jocko's book. Again, I'm going to link it, The Code, The Evaluations, The Protocols. I thought he, I, I love how he says these things so beautifully, but I'm going to put them in my own words to tell you. Character and leadership. 
no matter where you are, you have somewhat of a leadership position at to some degree. Because wherever you go, you have a say in what takes place. Yes, you might have a boss. You might have a manager that will make the final decision. But it is also your job to bring in fresher perspectives, fresher perspectives from other angles where some people might not see because one person can't see everything. That's why it's so important to be humble. And as Jocko says, and I completely agree, humility is the most important aspect and character that a leader can have because humility is how we lead ourselves. It is the ability to say that I own what I've done wrong. Things are my fault if they go wrong to some degree. And that I can be able to lead and seek seek other answers, I'm sorry, that I know that I don't have the answers to. Other people may. That is the beauty of humility. Your ability to lead in whatever regard that that is, whether your job, your family, if you are the parent, if you are an older sibling or a younger sibling and that other sibling happens to look up to you, how can you help be a better role model for them? In your academy, you or whatever sport that you teach, if you're a coach, people look up to you. People become vulnerable to you. And your humility to them is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength and admiration. Keep that and grow that. Performance. Because guys and gals... Job stability and fighting for your position is real. You have to fight to keep your, uh, your position. You have to seek feedback to be better. Because if you are stagnant, how many layoffs had happened within the last couple of years? Let's just be really practical. Yes, right now might be a job seeker's market, but there's a lot of outsourcing going on. Technology is advancing we are, people are, and companies are outsourcing their jobs to things that computers can do or things that other technology is capable of. This is real. And although that might be in the area where we are going in that sort of way in the tech industry or whatever job market that you seek, that leads me to my third category, which is advancement. Certifications, qualifications, better performance. Promotions. You can even say this as a renewed drive for your work or the mission that you are a part of. And lastly, and I kind of described it in the first, leadership and mentorship. Helping others to grow and challenging others to grow so that we can carry out the mission and bring the vision to reality. And it does not matter where you are, you can bring this with you. I'm going to say this because I know some of you need to hear this. Some people look up to you and you have no idea that they even do. One of the people that I train, absolute beast, her name's Alicia. If you follow me on Instagram, you constantly see our story banters back and forth. She came to the gym that we were working at years ago and she had not really worked out for a while before then. And when I told her that like, Oh, when you're training with me, girl, like we're, we're going up, like you're going to be doing pushups. You're going to be doing pull-ups. And then she heard pull-ups and she literally laughed at me. He's like, 
Okay. Fast forward to today. Hi, Alicia. You can do pull-ups now. Many pull-ups. And what happened is she's had a couple of people come up to her in the gym who have said, you really inspire me. Like, you are an absolute animal. Like, it is so cool how you train here. And she was a little bit taken back at first. She could tell you this. She didn't realize the responsibility that she also had without even volunteering for it. That people had looked up to her because she was so consistent in showing up. She came in with an open-minded attitude, a very coachable attitude. And that's something that is a really big strength of hers is that she's coachable. That goes back to the first character, uh, first category of being able to be humble with humility, to be coachable. You might not think that you're that special, but some other people, I guarantee one person does. You hold a lot of power if you are good at your craft or if you come to somebody even as simple as just a smile and a, hey, how are you? But it's so consistent that you greet someone with such joy and servitude. You can make that person's day. It takes such minimal effort to make somebody smile. And you have the power to do that wherever you go. And I guarantee you, you have one person that you don't even know who looks up to you that sees you as the world. These six pillars are all elements of our lives that we have to go back and forth to be able to say, I must be excellent because I do need to perform for the people that I love out of a choice on our end and so that we can also receive back. Hello? These six areas of life, we don't need to have a perfect score of five on a zero from us on a score sheet of zero to five. It doesn't need to all be out of five. And I'm not even going to say out of six, out of all of these categories, we don't have to have a certain score. This is just something that you can come back to. Something that even once a month, if you want to say, hey, how am I doing in these areas? Oh, I'm doing better in this area. Oh, I'm doing better in this area. Oh, my health is getting better. I feel like a three instead of a two now. In my leadership, you know what? I allowed somebody else to speak up and instead of me having to always have the say. And I did that and they appreciated me more. They were more open with me. I'm going to give myself a two and I'm going to, where I was a two, now I'm a three. And we can do this every month. You don't have to have, like I said, a master plan. Do this week by week. That's not the point because the point of life is to just simply live. Part of our purpose and where we are called to is to be able to just experience there. Yes, we are supposed to take as much out of it that we can so that we can in turn give back. Not only just to others, but give back to our own needs as well. These pillars, as Jocko likes to say it, is how we become and measure becoming an eminently qualified human being. In the area of that nutrition, like I said, our their deep health, Precision Nutrition is the company. Their idea of deep health and their six categories is how they describe themselves of having to become the best versions of ourselves. 
But we can't become the best version of ourselves without one thing. Because we have all of these pillars in front of us of excellence, professional, health, environmental, relational, spiritual, and personal. How do I manage all of these? How can I... How can I take all of these and make them as best as I possibly can and without disregarding one and without completely abandoning one so that I can become as best as I can be for everybody around me to be able to be the best that I can to express my gifts, walk in purpose, listen to where I'm feeling called to, and then have a deeper meaning of life. How can I have the freedom to be able to go after the things that I desire, the things that I am deserving of and worthy of to be able to grow higher and climb higher mountains. And that one answer is discipline, which we are going to talk about on the next episode. Guys and gals, ladies and gentlemen, if you have taken any part of your day to spend with me and to spend with each other, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And thank you for also becoming a part of this first series, initial series, in this podcast project that I'm working on because it means a lot to me personally. As I've said, I felt called to do this and listening to be able to express the gifts that I feel that I have that I want to share to be able to just help the people around me. But just do me a favor. If you're if you're this far along, just like and subscribe. Enough of the commitment issues. We've gotten to build enough trust at this point. We've spent 3 episodes together. Just do it. <laughs> do it. Next week, I can't wait to share with what we have planned. It's going to get deep, and it's going to be simple. Next week, we're going to end on a very simple note of the initial four-part series of this podcast. My name is Kung Foodie. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of the Foodie for Thought podcast. And I will see you next week.